Hey everybody, this is Sean. This is Kevin. And thank you for tuning in to another episode of Shot by Shot. And we have a fantastic guest for you today, Mr. Mark Wade. Now, as you're about to hear, Brian is overwhelmed when he tries to introduce Mr. Mark Wade because <laughs> Mr. Mark Wade has done a lot. I mean, I can't think of any one comic book figure who has revolutionized so many iconic characters throughout his career. Yeah, it's it's an amazing run. And you, when you think about it on its whole, it's kind of unprecedented. I mean, uh, for both Marvel and DC, uh, not to mention create our own work, but but Mark is, has been an amazing creator across the board, and to have him on the show is really a fantastic thing for uh, for me, just to, to get to, to talk to a guy that has done so many meaningful books that I have thoroughly enjoyed over the years. Yeah, absolutely. And the fact of the matter is he's also been such a voice in the revolution of comics, bringing them online. But I mean, honestly, when I look back at Mark, he's just escorted so many characters from the gold and the silver age into a modern context without losing their soul. And I just remember we talk about in this episode, Daredevil and Fantastic Four, his work with Mike Wierango. I just remember, and I wanted to talk to him about this, is how he included God at the end of his Fantastic Four run and how revolutionary I thought that was. Like, I don't know what he had to do to slip that past the Marvel editors, but when I was a kid, I think my brain exploded. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty crazy to think about. Uh, for me, I was a little bit older, obviously, uh, unfortunately for me at this point. <laughs> starting to show my age. Uh, of course, my, my favorite, I think, of all time was just his run on The Flash, who's a character that I loved as a kid. But uh, the, the way he was able to really update that character and make him one of a, a true powerful force and working with Ringo on it was uh, makes it special to me, too, because he was such a great guy. Okay, well, we'll stop jabbering about it and let you listen to Mr. Mark Wade. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of Shot by Shot. Today's guest is going to be Mark Wade. Mark, how are you doing today, man? <laughs> That's it? What a genius I am, nothing about what a visionary, <laughs> nothing. <laughs> a man whose work speaks Thank for you. itself. <laughs> Something. Yeah. A man who needs no introduction. Clearly, who needs no introduction. So, <laughs> which is why I didn't bother to introduce. <laughs> well, we have to ask the most important question first, and that is, what are you drinking? I'm drinking vodka tonic. That is my go-to drink. Which kind of vodka? Uh, unfortunately, all I could grab was absolute because that's you know we're in the end times and so. Yeah. <laughs> It still does the like work, it was right? all that all that was in the all that was in the liquor store was two bottles of Absolute and a bottle of Thunderbird. That's it. Oh man! Oh nice. Wow. If it's a little bit worse than Absolute, it's bad. If right. it's a little bit better than Absolute, it's good. Yeah. So yeah. Absolute is like right at the middle of the road. It's the baseline vodka. I agree. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, well, Kevin, I am guessing you were drinking something bourbon esque. Of course, yeah. In Alabama, we have ABC stores, state-run liquor stores. Right. They kind of corner the market. And there's Packaged. one right... 
So I, I now that all these people are working from home, I used to could go it's like right by my office. So I could go like once or twice a week in the morning and check what new, what cool bourbons have come in or whatever. And now there's literally a line at the door that starts forming about 30 minutes before they yeah. open. Uh, <laughs> wow. So you've got this mixture of, of like dudes in convertibles with their with their collars up and like the guy that I just need to get in the door because I my, my bottle ran out an hour ago. And so that's the that's the mixture. Yeah. It's kind of crazy. Um, so yeah, for I, medical reasons. Right. <laughs> right. Yes. Yes. Um, so I got some uh, Cooper's Craft uh, that I've never tried before, but it was available. So we'll see how this goes. That seems to be the, uh, uh, the gist of it. It was there and it's alcohol. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh. And uh, for, for me, uh, and this is especially for Mark Wade being here, um, I have a combination of iced tea, mm -hmm. and I'm also having some homemade ice cream. Okay. That is, in, in my opinion, a, a metaphor for Mark's work. You know, <laughs> Thank where, you. Well, um, I remember when I was a kid, you know, reading comics, it gave me this awesome feeling that I really enjoyed. And growing up, I'm still really into it, but it's a, a different kind of thing. And yeah. I feel the same way about homemade ice cream. You know, homemade ice cream, I loved it when I was a kid with absolute reckless abandon. And I get a different kind of thing because it's a little bit more artisanal. When I make it as an adult, it's kind of how I feel about your, uh, your comics. You, you kind of nailed it you know, the types of comics that I would love reading when I was a kid, and you're also nailing it uh, as an adult. That, dude, I thought you were going to pull a muscle with a stretch, but you made it. You, you, oh. <laughs> you land, I, I was watching you get further and further out on that limb, curious <laughs> to whether or not you're going to be able to pull it home, and you did. Yeah, and that limb just settled on the other side of the cliff. Yeah, <laughs> gently. Yes. <laughs> and Sean, what are you having to What are you having tonight? So my girlfriend's in town from Los Angeles, and, and we went to Trader Joe's to make sure she didn't have to subside off of uh, Indian TV dinners, which has yeah. kind of been my Ooh. modus operandi. And I went to the alcohol <laughs> section of Trader Joe's, and I'm drinking Two Town Cider House. Two Thorns, which is Raspberry Rose Cider, which I'm vaguely embarrassed by, but it's not terrible. It's pretty great. Huh. Probably better than Cooper's Craft. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's debatable. Mark, let's just jump right into it here. Sure. Um, okay. For, first and foremost, I oftentimes don't pay much attention to writers. You know, I, I kind of hang out with uh, with artists and, and I kind of get into to that stuff. And where I first was aware of your stuff, Mike Raringo was yeah. kind of kind of a fan that became like a, a friend that became yeah. a colleague kind of thing. Yeah. Mike, we met up at Heroes Con when Mike was just getting started on the Flash stuff. And he brought the stuff over to me and he was like just crazy excited because we always have this thing that's, hey, prepare for your first job to suck. Yeah, And Mike was just crazy excited about the writing on this new Flash book that he was doing. So I kind of thought, all right, let me check this Mark <laughs> Wade guy out. And I got to tell you, man, that stuff killed me. I mean, it was, it was really, and, you know, like I said about the, um, the homemade ice cream, you set a tone with that because 
like I think most writers, what they try to do is they try to go, huh, I see what the character is, but how can I screw that up? Yes. How can I, yes, yes. How can I completely change the character? You know, how can I do something with the character that is so completely against the <laughs> right. yep. premise of the character to make the character interesting? But when I was reading the Flash stuff, and, and normally my, my plan is to just flip through the art, but I'm reading the stuff and I'm like, this is the Flash. You know, I mean, this is, this is, you know, it's, it's, it's kind of like you, you really went with the premise of the character and didn't like wreck the character or anything like that. Yeah. You can't be embarrassed by this stuff as you launch it, by the way, thank you. It's just, you, you cannot be embarrassed because you're, if you're going to be in that world, you got to go full in and mm. it really is. Go ahead. I'm sorry. You were going to compliment mm. me some more. No. So go ahead. The, the wacky thing that, that got me excited is, um, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm a huge fan of, uh, of Stan Lee. Mm -hmm. um, and and the, the cool thing is, is, is I think Stan Lee would come up with a premise for the character. And generally mm -hmm. the premise for the character was the title of the character. And that's all you needed to know to yeah. jump in and start reading a Stan Lee book. And, uh, and Stan did all these stories and these stories just went all over the place, but they were all about the premise of the character. Yep. Looking looking back and reading some of the old Stan stuff, it sort of suffers from like time. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I think um, that's that's the thing that I really enjoyed was uh, was being pushed back into being a kid again. You know. Thanks again. It's it's really not that hard, man. You just, you, you. Oh, no, out it is. It is very difficult. <laughs> <laughs> Clearly it is very difficult. It is just, it really is a matter of just go back to ground, right? Go back to the, the earliest days, whatever that character it is and go all Hippocratic oath on it. Like just try not to break anything. If you can help it, you got to bring it kicking and screaming into the 21st century, obviously. And there's ways to do that, but you can do that without, being embarrassed by what you're writing about it's just if you know if you're embarrassed the audience is going to feel it if you don't like what you're doing the audience is going to feel it if you're if you don't like the character but you're pretending to you know they can smell it a mile away you've just yeah. got to get in there and wear the suit i mean when i say whole hog i don't mean literally wear the suit but i mean figuratively like i think the reason maybe you responded to flash is because it wasn't just you know hey the guy runs fast it's what is that life yeah. like if you're in if you're that guy and this is your world. What does that world look like to you every moment of every day? My girlfriend has this thing uh, where she says, you know, with, with art, mm -hmm. the responsibility of the artist is to tell the truth. Yes. And that's the thing that you nail is, is you, you don't sort of push it, you know, so far out of the character and make the character do something that's uncharacteristic, but it's also not boring. Thank you. I mean, it's, again, punching stuff is the least important part of me and the least interesting part to me. It's the watching these people try to figure out how to be good people in the 21st century. There's two ways that most writers tend to go. One is kind of doing a Yu-Gi-Oh where the character sort of gets more powerful to right. the enemy and, and the right. character just keeps getting more and more and more powerful as the series goes on. Uh, and the other way is to just become a boring historian where you're right. just rehashing like old stories. Both of those, I mean, 
as a comic book fanboy, I can kind of get excited about both of those, but but those stories that really explore the the truth of the characters and 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 kind of stories that make me go, wow, I never thought about that. I never thought how that would feel. Yeah. And that's that's really cool to be able to nail that. Knowing their limitations and being able to put limitations on, it's the opposite of what you say. Again, I gather what you're saying, and I, I agree with what you're saying, that a lot of times it's just, let's make the guy more powerful and more powerful and more powerful. But it's the limitations that are interesting to me. And it's, that's the stuff that tells you character. That's the stuff that shows you exactly who it is you're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. And because, I mean, it's kind of funny because, like, you, you think of Superman, where the character originally started being able to, you know, sort of leap capital buildings. And then right. after a while, he can fly through the hearts of sons. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? And it's just like, well, now the character has become so powerful and so morally perfect that it's almost impossible to write stories about the character. And yet I disagree completely. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> I just... I just, I, to me personally, I mean, there is just nothing more interesting to me than writing about the, the moral and ethical decisions you have to make every moment of every day when you're a character like that. Yeah. And the, yeah. the expectations that are put on you and, and the challenge of living up to that, as you said, that moral purity. Yeah. You, yeah. And then you factor into that, again, the limitations. Yes, you can fly through signs, but you know what? He can't play pickup basketball with his friends because he'll ah. break a he'll break a collarbone with somebody, right? He he can't help you move a couch because if he sneezes, he might throw it to the wall. You know, it's just he sure. lives and, in that world. And I think I think therein lies the 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 real game is um, is the fact that I mean the way Stanley wrote Spider Man, the way Stanley wrote all of his characters, the stories were primarily about the humanity of yes. the characters. And, yeah. uh, and, I, and I think that's, that's something that you, even though there's powers, even though there's people can, you know, sort of run near the speed of light, what's really interesting is I can't identify with running incredibly right. fast, but I can identify with the sort of humanity of Wally. Yes, thank you. That's that's yeah. what it's all about. I mean, I just I never got into comics to write Thor and Hulk having a fist fight. It's there's <laughs> plenty of great Hulk Thor fist fights out there that are fun to read, but that's just not my jam. Yeah, yeah. And and one of the things that um that Mike and I talked about, um, which I think is uh, is really cool, is when you get a script like that, when you when you get a a script that just really kind of makes you want to tell that story. Yeah. Um, that's what makes you better as, as an artist, because I, I think your average script, which is, you know, they're over there, let's go kick their ass. Um, that just encourages you to be a higher fidelity artist and right. not necessarily a good storyteller. And for me, kind of with, with Mike starting off as, as a student, watching him grow as an artist on that, you know, on that run of, yeah. uh, of The Flash. I really have to say that I, I credit the quality of his work to the quality of your scripts on, well, thank you. That, uh, on that story. 
thank you. I mean, it was, I can't think of anybody I've ever worked with that was more of a pleasure to collaborate with and was better to collaborate with than, than Mike. He was, as you say, because you, you put it nicely when you use the word student. I mean, Mike was always learning. His big failing was he always felt like he was not good enough and that people didn't really respond to his work when in point of fact, the opposite was true, but he was always oh, yeah. writing. He was always learning. He was always, one of my favorite moments of talking to him was, I because I, I, I do like to talk with the artists and I really like to, you know, get a sense with every issue, like, you know, where's Dude, your head at? Thank you. Yes. Absolutely. Thank you. Where's your head? And also, by the way, what do you hate to draw? So I'll, I'll not put that in. I, so I won't put a, a, you know, an amusement park in my story, you know? Um, but I remember distinctly, I had a scene coming up and it was going to be set in an auto body repair shop. That's a lot of detail and stuff. And I just remember just casually on the phone with Mike, I said, Hey, is that okay? Cause it's, again, I don't, I'm not, I'm not going to limit my scripts always to just the things that are easy to draw, but you understand what I'm saying. You're, I'm working oh, yeah, with you. Yeah. You're a partner. I want to make sure that I'm not having you do too much of the heavy lifting. So uh, I try to be mindful of, of that. And with Mike, I just said, you know, auto body shop, you okay with it? And he said, I love that because I've never drawn it before. Yeah. And that was, that was what it was like working with Mike is that he, he would rise to any challenge and he, he actually loved drawing things that he'd never drawn before, even if they were tough. Oh yeah, and and the um, the the real game there is is it is an inviting challenge, you know, rather than you know when when a writer just kind of I mean it takes a, a writer less than a second to write crowd scene, yeah, but that instantaneously means I'm going to be making minimum wage. Yes, um, exactly. Yes, <laughs> but but the cool thing is is if that crowd is there for a reason, yeah, then I. I desperately want to do that crowd scene um, or if that challenge um, gets thrown down there for a reason and it's going to have an impact that's worth my time into it, then I desperately want to do it. And, uh, and, and I think uh, what's cool is, is if you want better comic book art, you got to start with better comic book stories. Yeah. And, you... and the, the, the more engaging the stories, the better the art's going to, going to have to be. It's going to have to be. And also, I mean, the more visual the story is, for God's sake, it's I just I cannot I cannot stand it. When I talk to students, when I teach classes and stuff, I just try to remind them that there is nothing duller than five pages of a guy standing in a boardroom in a, in a business suit. Yeah. Having yeah. A, a conversation with four other guys in business suits. I can get that on TV for free. And, and the yeah. same thing goes uh, when they're in comic book, uh, comic book form and they're in their superhero costumes. You still don't want to see him talking for four or five pages in a row. And it seems like we got into that stuff for a while. Um, yeah. And, and the word counts, not, you, you're not getting paid by the word. So let the art breathe a little bit, you know? Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, the question <laughs> which, which, I always ask, I'm sorry, go ahead. I'm sorry. Um, I was going to say that, that that brings up another thing that um, it, I was a few issues into it before I realized that you were, you did this thing with the, uh, with the flash where he spoke less when he was running faster. Yep. Which a calculated move. Dude, that that like <laughs> blew my mind. <laughs> I was just like, okay, if he's if he's running faster, that means he's going to cover more distance per word. Right. <laughs> you know? right. And, and and you always kind of took that into consideration whereas yeah. most most flash stories is like, okay, let me have a guy in a running pose and monologue. 
right um, it may as well be batman running yeah <laughs> yeah yeah but but you did you did this like flip thing where you just kind of went okay his thoughts are going to be much more terse his like word balloons are going to be much smaller um and and it was like really cool to kind of um literally create this uh because one of the things that i that i hate is and and you just can't avoid it sometimes but as as an artist if a writer writes a scene where people are fighting and i'm like okay i want the scene to move quickly and i do all my magic tricks to move the panels along but then the writer has a big honking word balloon <laughs> you know sort of in in the middle of that fight scene and i'm like man come on man yeah and uh and and um you're doing like something really cool because as mike is throwing out details to make the panel speed up you're throwing mm -hmm. out dialogue to make the panel speed make up make the panel speed is, up exactly yeah. yeah it's it's really that that is absolutely unheard of uh as far as collaborative comics uh, is concerned the tools we have to increase the pace or decrease the pace of comics is not something that a lot of people pick up on and it's not a lot mm -hmm. of stuff i see it's not something i see a lot in in more recent comics is that being yeah. able to conscious i mean by accident yes you know because you put 12 panels on a page it's going to go slower because but you didn't do that to make it slower there's just 12 panels on the page i mean yeah. it's there's you know there's ways and you do that very well i mean it's one of the things that makes your layouts particularly very your storytelling very strong is that you you very consciously manipulate time you know how to do that oh yeah and, and i think that's that's um the you know when you it, and this is artistically and i think a little bit of this comes into uh to writing as well is uh is i think most artists concentrate on two dimensions you know mm -hmm. and when they get started and then once you get a little bit better at it you can then concentrate on the perception of three-dimensionality mm -hmm. and the key thing is is that last step of once you get a little bit better you can then concentrate on the temporal feeling yes yes you know the not only the feeling of space but the feeling of time yeah. and uh, and i think that's absolutely paramount in in doing comics is that is that that sense of of time that sense knowing how to stretch or compress that moment and uh right. and that's that's the stuff that i was really getting jazzed about reading uh the uh the early flash stuff you guys thank you doing. did you and mike work on the flash together from the very beginning because that's the first work i remember reading of yours was the flash no, uh, actually, I, to... I worked. I worked with Greg LaRoque for a couple of years before that, okay. and Greg wanted to move on. And I was standing in Brian Augusta, editor Brian Augusta's office, and we were trying to figure out who's going to come next. And I saw, upside down, I saw one of Mike's pages for a Justice League quarterly backup, and it's just like two women sitting in a you know having a conversation around a gas station. But upside down, I saw that page and I looked at Brian. And I said, "That's that guy. I want to work with that guy." Wow. Dude, yeah, man, it was, that's a call, man. That's it's, a call. It's just the 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 clean line. The storytelling was clear. I mean, you know, you know too. This and this goes for coloring as much as as anything else. Like, if you can hold that page upside down and your eye is still going to where it's supposed to go, then you know you did it right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that's that's one thing that I think is is really cool is when it's done right, you don't go, oh man, what a great artist the the lines blur 
You don't yeah. know if that's if that's Mark or if that's Mike or you know who's involved in that. I mean, it's 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 just and uh, and I think the uh, the Flash, especially the further you guys got into it, the the more kind of seasoned it uh, it it got. Yeah, which, and then, which is which is really cool. Thank you. And then when we left Order Fantastic Four, which we I think we did that for like thirty six issues, that was that was Mike at his prime. I mean, that was you know yeah. my, all the lessons he'd learned. Yeah. And, and then some, and just what a joy to collaborate. Cause again, it's a collaborative medium, right? It's, it's, it's my, I always like I'm fond of saying it's my story until such time as I give it to you. And now it's our story. By the time you guys did fantastic four, it was kind of like, um, you guys kind of got in and then circled the block separately and then came back. Uh, because I think the fantastic four stuff is, is really different and stylistically. I think Mike in the interim had gotten a little bit more uh, cartoony, but it's more mm -hmm. of a, um, e even though the work was cartoony, I, I think the the storytelling was a little bit more uh, clear. And, I think so. Uh, and I, yeah. think, I think you played into that really well. It's just, it's, it's all about the story, man. It really is. And like I said, as long as you and I are pulling together as a team, as a writer artist, then we're telling this, as long as we're telling the same story, I don't care how you tell it, you know? Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's one thing that um, that I also uh, like about your stuff is I can tell that you're aware of the artist, you know, because the way that you write a story, the uh, the stuff that you did on on Daredevil, mm -hmm. there's this group of and the group of artists that you work with on on Daredevil, Paolo and uh, and uh, Somni and all, all those guys those are really kind of sweatshirt guys, you know, who are, yeah, yeah. where they, they draw characters in, in sweatshirts and JC Penney's like suits. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so it's like, um, there's just something very kind of pedestrian about it, but then your style of writing changes to fit that. Yeah. Which, uh, which, which is completely different from the flash, completely different from fantastic four, but it just, again, nails the character but it also is just sort of catnip for the uh, for the artist working on the book. Wow, that's good to know. I I had no idea it was that popular among the art artistic community. That's I'm saying that tongue in cheek, but that's nice to know. <laughs> <laughs> With your run on uh, on Daredevil, which I think is is kind of technically dark for you, mm -hmm. but it was refreshingly light for the character and yet here's here's how i describe it is if you really look at it the same really horrible dark shit happens to matt murdoch <laughs> that happens yes. in brubaker stuff and happens to Bendis stuff the difference is in how he reacts to it daredevil and captain america were the only two marvel characters i knew as a kid because i grew up in the deep south and we had no distribution for marvels and so i just kind of stumbled on these comics when i was a kid but i remember distinctly as I, as I got more into Marvels, I loved Daredevil because with every other Marvel character, and this is coming from a DC boy, so I was, I was not sophisticated enough to understand why this was good or why this made sense, but just from my point of view, all the Marvel characters whined a lot about their lot in life. And, yeah. Matt, didn't, and Matt didn't. I got a problem, I'm going to go solve it. And I remember responding to that a lot, really well as a kid. And that's the thing I like about Matt Murdock. It's fake it till you make it. When I was reading that stuff, 
what I thought was interesting because, you know, as a artist or as a creator, you know, all of us either are, we're close to depression in some way or right, another. Right, yes. And, um, and one of the things that I thought was, um, was really interesting is out of all my, my depressed buddies, yeah. you know, sort of, and myself, there's the people that wallow in it and there's the people that just struggle against it and fight against it. And just, you know, that, like you said, that fake it till you make it, I'm going to have yeah. a positive attitude, even yeah. though, you know, sort of, you know, sort of stuff is falling apart around me, I'm going to try to work through it. And it was kind of cool because when I read your run on Daredevil, and, you know, I'm like a big fan of the Miller stuff and the, um, and the Nascenti stuff. But when I read your run on it, I was just like, okay, he's trying, you know, Daredevil yeah. is trying. <laughs> you yes. know? It's like, it's, yeah. it's not working, <laughs> you know, but, but he's trying. And, um, and, and it was, it was just really cool to, to see that because uh, I think with, uh, with, with superheroes, the superhero comics kind of started off as this, as this reaching for hope kind of thing. Right, you know, where where all the stories were about idealism and reaching for hope and all that, but then by the time we got to the late eighties, nineties, it just sort of became a justification for cynicism. Yes, you know, and uh, and your comics have never been that. I have no use for cynicism, not in real life, <laughs> not in fiction. I just don't. It's it's pointless. It solves nothing. It's a dead end road. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Why be there? Yeah, exactly. I mean, it, not all superheroes have to be all shiny and bright and hopeful and, you know, gleaming. Uh, but why that's but they're not built to be cynical. It's just that's not in the DNA. Yeah. But but again, it's uh, you're doing it in a way that's truthful and not delusional. Right. That's a tough line to walk. Uh, a good way that I think of it is it's it's almost like you're you're kind of the Jerry Seinfeld of comic book writers, you know, whereas you have a lot of these other like big stage show comedians that they're just doing the dirtiest, you know, sort of every other word is, you know, sort of yeah. uh, an N-bomb or uh, an F-bomb or whatever. Uh, and they use that to get laughs. Right. But there's a, there's a, certain, there's a certain cynicism in that where, yes. where it's just like, are those laughs honest or is it just funny seeing a guy dropping an n-bomb and an f-bomb right you know and uh but but seinfeld just creates wonderful situations and it's the truthfulness of those situations that he creates that he doesn't have to work so dark he doesn't have to work so blue and right. uh, and i think um i think you're you do that with uh with the comics you create thank you Wow, I sound. I'm going to have you write my eulogy when I die. That's great. <laughs> well, well, that's the um, that's the thing that I think is a uh, is 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 kind of fun. Is is when when I sit down to read one of your comics, this is going to be fun. You know, yeah. it's just like it's kind of one of those. Okay, I've I've read a, a Frank Miller comic. You know, sort of. I, I've read an Azzarello comic. Before I take a shower. Right before I go train, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. Uh, it's like let me, let me read a Mark Wade comic. Yeah. You know, so before the razor gets to my wrist, <laughs> right? Know, yeah, let me, I, let me read yeah. a read a Mark Wade comic and feel better about like the world. <laughs> and I think I think to be clear to the people who may be listening who have no idea who I am, which you did terrible disservice for by just saying my name and then letting it drop. 
Um, <laughs> the, when we say, you know, I, and I think you'd back me up on this. When we say fun, you don't, you know, you didn't necessarily mean it's all a silver age bundle of, of joy and barrel of laughs. It's, it's yeah, yeah. some really dark stuff happens sometimes. And it's really, I love, I love doing comedy and then on a page turn, just hitting you in oh, the dude. face with a dramatic frying pan. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The, the daredevil stuff, um, at times it felt like I was reading an EC comic. You know, yeah. where where there's there's fun, there's like lightheartedness and swashbuckling and all this like cool adventure stuff. But then boom, Foggy yeah. has cancer. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. Like, <laughs> you know, so so that that stuff, like you were playing the entire all the notes on the instrument. But that's like, a really good you, way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. You weren't just kind of hanging out like, you know, sort of down there on the bass just like punching that last key over and over and over again. Right. Or, or I'm not doing, you know, Silver Age karaoke. I'm not doing that. It's, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's almost like when, when I go to see a, uh, a Pixar movie, mm -hmm. a lot of times when people say, oh, it's, it's an adult comic, what they mean is that there's, there's probably a penis in it. Or there's, <laughs> right. There's, and, and it's just like, no, no. You, when you say adult, <laughs> you know, sort of, yeah. you don't necessarily mean like gore or anything like that. No. Like when people say, oh, it's a kid's movie, oftentimes that means it's bad. Yes. And, because they're right, and, because they're writing it for kids, specifically for kids and kids don't like yeah. to be, you know, I mean, no, no kid likes to be written to their age. Every kid wants to be like when you were five, you wanted to read the shit the 10 year olds were reading, right? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and the whole the whole idea of like, where you kind of go, this is a plot hole. Yeah, but it's a kid's movie. <laughs> yeah, yeah, still, yeah, yeah. It's it's still a plot hole. They won't uh, and, uh, notice. Yeah. 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 And I think um I think that's the the cool thing is is with your with your comics, a, a younger person can read it because the situations that you create aren't salacious just for the sake of being uh salacious or anything no. like that. Again, you know, that's that's cynical. That is and it's cheap. Again, anybody yeah. can do that. And I'm not interested yeah. in being. I, I'm not interested in doing what what other people are doing because then you just become one of that. I'll again, I can I can never be the best Frank Miller. I got strong armed into doing that Spirit Rocketeer crossover I did <laughs> because I because I, I said for years I'm not going to do that. I don't want to have anything to do with the Spirit because what am I going to do on my best day? I'm going to be not as good as Will Eisner. Yeah. So the you know the trick is. And Keith Giffen said this once, and I, I, he said this to me early on, and I never forgotten it. It was great career advice. He says, find the thing that you do better than most people and just drill down on that because there's going to be times when it's in fashion and there's going to be times when it's not in fashion. But, buddy, when it's in fashion, they're going to come to you because you've yeah. staked out that territory. Yeah, yeah. And and it's just like, hey, this is this is what Mark's serving you know yes exactly like, if, if you like the pizza that's coming out of his shop you know sort of yeah. you know come back every week and uh and i have and, and i've been un, but i have been unbearably lucky i mean i've been crazy lucky that it's 35 years and i've never once had to pick up the phone looking for work and that is not a brag wow. that is not a brag that is a i can't believe it either and i don't know how that is and I am grateful every day. That is not, yeah, it's not a brag. It's a, it's a, it's an expression of gratefulness, a, a gratitude. I, and people ask me how you get a career like I've had, and I said I have the slightest idea. If I knew, I if I knew, I probably would have fucked it up. 
Yeah, well, I think um, to a certain extent, your career is a lot like my career in that it's it's a series of fortunate, stupid decisions. Yeah, yes. <laughs> you know, it's like it's like they were all bad decisions, but man, they sort of all worked out. That's pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> you know, there's another thing I wanted to to mention, which is um, for me, there's and and I've talked about this on this uh, a number of times, where there are artists who are storytellers and then there are artists who are just like image magicians right right and um and one of the things that i think is is really awesome comics hands down best sort of image person is alex ross yep and i have a huge giant size problem with painted comics okay i i hate painted comics and i'm always asked when are you going to do a painted comic? And it's never going to never. happen. Ma mainly because my, my attitude is, is when you look at a painting, you're arrested. Yep. You know, it, it just stops you dead in your tracks. But when you look at comic book art, comic book art is supposed to move you along. Right. And I got I to gotta give it to you for breaking the Pythagorean you know, sort yeah. of theorem right. of doing a comic book story with Alex Ross when you guys did Kingdom Come because you crafted a story that was a story compiled of moments yeah. rather than a story that flowed along. That's the thing about Alex's work. I mean, it's, you know, Alex works on, and this is not in any way a knock. It's like, I mean, Alex is brilliant and, and however oh, he yeah, wants to yeah, work, yeah. I don't with, care if he wants to work. Doubt. I don't care if he wants to work, you know, with a, with a, you know, squirrel on his, on his shoulder every day. I know if it, if that works, it works. But Alex starts with photographic reference. Yeah. And therefore, you know, by extension, it never, it, that's always part of the, I hate to reuse the word, but DNA. It's always part of the DNA of Alex's work, right? And so it, like, you're right. It doesn't flow so much as it has impact like a bunch of snapshots. Um, yeah, and it, and it, 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 it stops you. You know, it yes. stops you in your tracks. But uh, but but you created a story that was a story of moments when you were stopped in your tracks. <laughs> you know, and 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 it it really felt like that. Uh, and that was kind of like it was awesome reading that while it was coming out because I would look at one panel of the book and go, oh my god. Yeah. And then read that panel and, and realize that the people in the panel were going, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, and, then, and then the next panel and the next panel and the next panel. And it really kind of it captured that feeling of, OK, I'm a human and suddenly gods are walking the earth. Right. And, and, it, it, and I think that was a situation where really only Alex Ross could have done that story justice i totally i totally agree with you and i feel the same way about painted comics it's just like you said it, it is a remove everybody thank you so much for listening to the first of two podcasts with mr mark wade stick around next week and he'll return to talk about some more kingdom come as well as his new position as the publisher of humanoids 